Well, I'm so glad to see you today. How about this cooler weather? Yeah, it kind of feels like fall. This may be the one day of fall in Florida. I'm not sure, but you have to catch it when it comes around. You never know. One day of fall, one day of spring, and, and it's gone. That's it. So anyway, say happy fall. There you go. Okay. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here. We want to welcome those worshiping with us online today. Last Sunday, we started a new series called I'm In. Let's say that together. I'm in. I'm in. That's right. And we said that you are invaluable. You're invaluable to God. You're invaluable to the kingdom and the work of the kingdom. You're invaluable to the body of Christ. You're invaluable. And a lot of times we don't feel invaluable. But you know what? It doesn't really matter how we feel because all that is still true. Even if we don't feel that way, we are invaluable. I hope you felt more valuable this past week since you heard the message last week. Anybody feel more valuable? Anybody is just that you came to church today and you said, I am valuable, right? Amen. Amen. Why aren't you raising your hand then? If you, <laughs> you must not feel too valuable if you're just going, huh? If they got more coffee back there, I'm not, is he started yet? Okay. So we, <laughs> we talked about being invaluable. Okay. Now today we're going to be talking about being an influencer. How many of you are influencers? Raise your hand. Okay. Now see, same thing happened in the first service. I said that and very few people raised their hands and there's a reason for that. We're going to talk about that. My goal though is to help you see that you really are an influencer today, even if you don't think you are, you're invaluable and you're an influencer. Are you in? I'm in. I'm in, right? Okay. So we're going to find out about that. Last week, invaluable. This week, influencer. Next week, a little teaser here, invested. There you go. That's the three-part series that we're looking at. So you'll have to come back next week to hear about that. But today, I wonder if you see yourself as an influencer, as salt and light to the world around you. I want to read this statement to you. You have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love might change someone else's life. And last week I talked about something that happened in my life that had an influence on someone else. And I'll bring that back up later at the end of the message and I'll fill you in. So if you weren't here last week, don't feel bad. Hang on. I'll explain it to you. Okay. Now, over the years of our ministry, Laura and I have lived lived in different places. Most of the time, we haven't moved from church to church much, but we have moved where we lived, you know, serving the church in different situations. So sometimes we would live in uh, parsonages. Sometimes we would live in uh, rental houses, and sometimes we would live in our own home. We would buy a house or build a house and live there. And, and so what happened was several years ago, we built a big house to accommodate my mother-in-law, Dorothy, because she wanted to come down from Tennessee and live with her daughter in Florida. And I said, okay. And so we built this house that would accommodate her, and it was great, and we were there together. She lived with us for a while, and then she died. And after she died, we didn't need that big house anymore. 
anymore. And so we sold the house and, and we had a lot of furniture. We had our furniture. We had Dorothy's furniture. We brought all that together. And so Laura said, well, I'm going to give some of this furniture to family in Tennessee. And so she called the family in Tennessee. And have you noticed how your family visits you when you live in Florida? Has anybody picked up on that? They don't really need a reason to come, but they love to come and see you, especially when you live in Florida. So we said, we got furniture for you. And they said, oh, good. We'll come to the beach. I mean, we'll come get the furniture. So they did. They came down and got it. And then later on, we mo- and we moved to a smaller house. But then later on, we moved to a larger house. And Laura said to me, hey, can we buy some more furniture? And I said, do you remember that furniture that you gave away to your family because we were going to move into a smaller place? Now we're moving into a bigger place and you want to buy more furniture. Baby, we don't know where we're going to be. We don't know how long we're going to live, where we're going to live. You know, we can't just be buying furniture and then giving furniture away and then buying more furniture because it's not good stewardship. Wouldn't you like to be married to me, the ogre, right? What a jerk. What was he thinking, okay? So I said, here's the deal. If you want a bed for that extra bedroom, pray about it and ask God for a bed. You laugh, ha-ha, but nay-nay. I told her, I said, you pray about it, and she prayed about it. And right after she prayed about it, somebody in the church had a condo, called the office. They said, we got some perfectly good furniture that we're going to give away. We're getting some new stuff. It's brand new. And does anybody need a bed? I said, here am I. Send me. So they brought us the bed, and, and Laura didn't care what color it was or what it looked like, but it was great. It was, and so we took it, and we kept it. Now, recently we moved to a new place, and it was just going to have one guest bedroom because we've caught on that people visit if you have a lot of bedrooms. So we're, we're downsizing, okay? I'm just saying. So we get this new uh, condo, and it's got one bedroom, and we put that bed that was given to us in the bedroom room, right? And then our kids came to visit. Have you ever noticed that your kids come with opinions? I don't know why that is. Why do they, who told them they could have opinions? And they said, you know, we would like for you to get a king size bed in that guest bedroom for us when we come next time. So Laura said, we need a new bed. I said, you know how this works. Pray about it. And no kidding. She prayed about it. And right after she prayed about it, there's a couple in the church. They had a a king-size mattress to give away free. And we had a frame. And so we bought a headboard. And sure enough, that's the one that we've got. And then I said to Laura, you know what? Somebody needs this bed that's in this room that we're going to get rid of. We're going to give it away. But there's somebody who needs it. We need to pray and ask God who needs this bed so we can give it to them. And so Laura and I prayed. Right after that, this girl came to Laura and she said, do you know anybody who's got a bed that they're giving away? We said, yeah, us. And she said, great. And she took it. Isn't that great? Because that's God's network. God knows our needs. And he knows other people's needs. And he knows how to... See, you think that this all began with social media. Nay, nay. This started a long time ago with God. God got the big picture. He sees from his perspective. He sees what people need. He sees people that want to give stuff away. And he puts it all together. And you know, God cares about the details of our lives. And so he's paying attention. 
He's all involved in that kind of stuff. And so all you got to do is pray. And, and you know, when that happens, that's called a glory sighting. And what does that do? Well, that just draws you closer to God. Well, thank you, Lord. You just took care of that, didn't you? One last thing for me to deal with. Thank you. I appreciate that for loving us and supplying us and allowing us to help other people. What a blessing that is. Now, you have no idea how one word of encouragement, one generous expression, one gift maybe a bed, something that you do, you have no idea how that can influence someone else. Now, when I asked you earlier, how many of you are influencers? Very few of you raised your hands, and there's a reason for that. Here's the reason. Culture has hijacked the term influencer in social media. Maybe you didn't know this. You're surprised that an old man like me knows this, but I know this. I keep up. I know what's going on, okay? And here's what an influencer is defined as. An influencer is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, and relationship with their audience. I have a relationship with my audience, and you listen to me. I'm an influencer, right? That's what we find out. But So you think that that's the only kind of influencer there is, and that's good. It's fine. I hope you have influence on social media, and I hope you have good influence on other people. Lord knows we need it. We need good things happening, right? But here's what I want us to see. You know, that's not always been the case that, that an influencer is limited to that small definition. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, you know, you had people like your teacher and your coach and maybe your preacher and, and maybe your, your Sunday school teacher and maybe your parents, and, and they were all influencers in your life. And, and that, that term has been hijacked, so why can't we use it for both? Why can't we use it on social media? Because on social media, you know, people think, if I'm going to be an influencer, I need to be a celebrity, or I need to be a content creator, or I need to be someone who has massed a great numbers of followers on social media, a mass that group. What I want to do today is try to reclaim that term influencer and help you see that you are an influencer. Look at the person next to you and say, you are an influencer, okay? Because you have no idea, you have no idea how much influence you have until God shows you like he did me, okay? No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. But if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, I want to show you what Jesus says about you. In Matthew, he says this, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, what does salt do? Well, salt purifies Salt preserves. Salt adds flavor. I want you to nudge your neighbor, and I want you to say to them, you're salty. Go ahead and tell them that right now. You, you are salty. Yeah, you are. As you know, there, there's some folks in the church who own the salty goat out on Front Beach Road. Did you know that? See, they're already salty. I didn't even have to tell them that, right? Now I want you to nudge your neighbor again and tell him, you are shiny. Okay, tell him that, right? You're shiny. <clears throat> you're the salt of the earth, and you're the light of the world. And so you're salty and shiny. Listen to what it says in Scripture. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. 
Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so we see that we can be influencers, even if we don't realize it. And, and see, today what people think is, if I'm going to be an influencer on social media, I have to have a big platform, Right? Well, that may be true on social media, but here's what I want you to see. That's not the case in our relationship with other people. Listen, true and lasting influence starts with people before platform. So you don't have to have a big platform. All you got to do is see the person right in front of you and interact with them and have an influence on their lives. You are an influencer. You have no idea how much God does behind the scenes, how God will use your faithful obedience to do something powerful in somebody else's life and maybe even eternal because influence isn't always obvious and it's not always instant. You see, when you go out and sow seeds and do deeds for God, you may not see the harvest, right? Or God might give you a glimpse of it. You might get to see the rest of the story. You might get to see what that did. Something that you did years ago has an impact on somebody in the beginning. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean God's not doing it, that he's not working because he is. Now, I want to show you a story today. This is the most unlikely influencer that you're ever going to read about in the New Testament, okay? The story takes place in John, the fourth chapter, and it's about a woman, and she's the last person you think could have influence. Jesus was on a trip. He was passing through Samaria. The disciples wouldn't have expected him to do this because Jews and Samaritans didn't talk to each other, but Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. You wouldn't expect a Jewish man to talk to a Samaritan woman. You wouldn't ex expect Jesus to talk to a Samaritan woman, certainly not this woman, but he does because the Jews looked at the Samaritans and the Samaritans intermarried and, and they were Jewish people that married other people that were not Jewish. And so they were considered, you know, outcast. And, and, and for a lot of people, they were looked on as less than human. They were looked at on as dogs, okay? You would never interact with a Samaritan if you were a Jew and a Samaritan woman came up, but Jesus shocks everybody. The Samaritan woman comes up to him and Jesus asks her for a drink. Let's look at it. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why would you be asking me for a drink? And I want you to see how Jesus responds in love. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She's intrigued. She says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. And the woman notices something different about Jesus. Please, sir, she says, the woman says, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. And Jesus says to her, go get your husband, Jesus told her. 
I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband. And then he said, or if you have, or he said, for you have five husbands and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. She catches on really quickly, doesn't she? How could he know all that? Now, there wasn't a Jewish man anywhere who would, inter, who would have interacted with this woman except Jesus. And what does Jesus do? In this conversation, Jesus dignifies her, and he honors her, and he interacts with her. And he, all the time, he knows that she's been divorced five times, and she's living with someone who's not her husband. In that day and time, that would have done more than raise the eyebrows of people around her like it does today. In that day and time, she would have been cast out. People would have shunned her. But Jesus knows all that about her, but he doesn't look at her as an immoral woman. When Jesus looks at her, he sees her potential. When he looks at her, he sees her as a miracle waiting to happen. And knowing that a touch from heaven could make all the difference for this woman. And it dawns on her, could this guy be the Messiah? The guy that we've heard about doing miracles and raising the dead and opening blind eyes? He shows me honor and respect. He knows everything about my life. And she runs back to her village and she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. The scripture says the woman left her water jar. She went to the well for water. All of a sudden, that wasn't important anymore, was it? She left her water jar beside the well. She ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Let's watch. You hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask her to drink from me a Samaritan and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? 
That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband, then come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. <gasps> exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sort this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. 
you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You forgot your um. What can we learn from that powerful story? You don't have to have your life all together to influence someone for Christ. No matter how messed up you think things are, no matter how far gone you think you are, you can be an influencer for Jesus Christ. He can reach you and he can use you to reach others. We see this town outcast that everybody shunned, that people whispered about. And what happens? She's a broken woman. She's a messed up woman. She's a woman that nobody wants to be around, an immoral woman, but she becomes an influencer. Her story shows us that you don't have to have everything all together to be a representative for Jesus Christ. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to memorize the whole Bible. You don't have to be a person who can pray great, powerful prayers. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have everything fixed in your life so you can influence. You just have to know who Jesus is and you just have to care about people. You don't need 4,000 followers on a platform. You just need the person right in front of you right now, the person that you're talking to, the person that God has brought to you as a divine appointment so that you might minister to them. What does salt do? It purifies, it preserves, it adds flavor. And light shows the way. Light moves into darkness and helps people understand there's a better way to live than the way we're living. You have no idea how much your encouragement, how much your one word, how much what you do can influence other people. The woman goes back to the village. She tells everybody, please come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And as the disciples are coming back at the end of the story, Jesus says the field is ripe for harvest, but the laborers are few. We could say it this way today. The field is ripe for harvesters, but the influencers are few. Don't let culture rob you of your calling. 
It doesn't have to start with a platform. It can start with a person. You can be an influencer, just like this woman. She meets Jesus, and immediately she's telling other people about him. Look what the scripture says. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. What do you think now? You think she's an influencer? You think she had an impact? The whole village is interested in Jesus now because she's the first person to listen, and she's the first person to go back and tell them what he's done. Who does God use it's not just people who are Instagram stars. It's not just professional athletes. It's not just celebrities. It's just not just content creators. It's regular, ordinary, everyday, broken, sinful people who can be transformed by Jesus Christ. You have influence where you are, and you have no idea how much influence you have, how much your word can encourage. When you come to church, somebody's here for the first time. You don't know that. You don't know because you don't know everybody, but you smile at that person, and you say hello, and you greet them, and all of a sudden, this uncomfortable, nervous person feels the love that you offer them, and already, you've been an influencer before you knew it. When you listen to somebody who hurting at work, then they feel loved, and then you've been an influence for them. You've been an influencer in their life. When you post a scripture or repost a sermon clip, you influence someone else, maybe that you don't even know. Just by the way that you worship, just by the way you carry yourself, just by who you are and whose you are, you can have influence. Don't let culture define you and limit you to what you can do. If you know Jesus, then you can be salt and light because God has created you to influence and love other people in the name of Jesus. Now, last week I told you about Stan Chapman. And Stan Chapman was a guy that was in the church I served years ago. And he, his wife came and she sang in the choir, Sue, and she was a Christian. And, and Sue was praying for Stan to become a Christian because Stan was born and raised in the Jewish faith. But you know, Stan corrected me this week. He called me because he listened to the sermon from last week because he knew I was going to tell the story. He showed up for church here two weeks ago to surprise me. I hadn't seen him in years, but I was so thankful because he told me that, that I laid the foundation. I didn't know. But he said, I came to hear you preach every Sunday. I came to hear you every week. You laid the foundation of my faith and you planted a seed in my life and then it germinated and it blossomed. And in 2015, 2016, I became a Christian. And he said, then just this summer, I was baptized in the Jordan River. And I wanted you to know that because I had talked about being discouraged. I had said that, that I was reading the book of Job in my devotional. And a servant came into Job and gave him bad news. And while he was still speaking, another one came in and gave bad news. And while he was still speaking, another one came in and gave bad news. And something similar to that, not as dramatic, happened to me recently. And I just had boom, 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 three things that discouraged me. And so I went home and told Laura about it. And she prayed that God would show us encouragement 
that he would do something in our lives to show us encouragement because sometimes you can feel like you're not making a difference and what you do doesn't really matter and you don't always see the results. Right after that, we got a message with friends who live in Birmingham who were on staff with us and Stan and Sue had come to Birmingham to see them and they told us the story about him becoming a Christian. And then he surprised us the next Sunday by coming to church and being here. You see, Laura prayed a prayer. And she said, Lord, we need encouragement. And what did God do? He answered it. Because God cares about the details of our lives. And sometimes we sow seeds and we do deeds and we don't know the results. We just know to be faithful and obedient and trust God. Because God is responsible for the results. And I held up a little statue last week. Somebody gave me that years and years and years ago. I've never used it in a sermon as an object lesson before. But I used to tell the church, we're supposed to sow seeds and we're supposed to do deeds. And then we're just supposed to trust God for the results. And that takes the pressure off. And so I kept telling it to them so much that they started saying it back to me. So I figured they got it, right? And then one of them bought me that little, that little statue. And it's been sitting in my office. I've never used it in a sermon until last Sunday. And I brought it in and I held it up. It's a sower. It's called the sower. And this guy's got a bag and he reaches in and he gets seeds and he takes the seeds and he casts them out and he's sowing it. And they wanted me to have that because... They said I had taught them to do that, and so we sow seeds, right? But we don't always get to see the results. But God gave us a glimpse of the results. He let us know about the rest of the story. I didn't know what he was doing behind the scenes. I was just doing what he called me to do. I was just trying to be faithful and obedient. I didn't do it. God did it. But he gives us a front row seat to watch him work. And so I held up that statue, and, and Stan called me last Tuesday morning. And he had listened to the message, and he said, i got to tell you, first of all, I came to hear you every Sunday. I want you to tell him that. And he said, secondly, that little statue that you held up, do you know what that's sometimes referred to as? I said, no. He said, sometimes people call that a Chapman. Do you know what Stan's last name is? Chapman. Do you know what Johnny Appleseed's real name is? John Chapman. Now you tell me that God is not aware of the details in our lives. You tell us that he doesn't put even the details together to accomplish his purposes. Only he could have done that at that time in that message. All those years I had it, I never used it. And then Last Sunday, I shared that. Here's what I want you to hear. You may not know it. You may not realize it. But you are an influencer for God. You can have an impact on people that you don't even know about. You can do it one-on-one. -on -one. You can do it online. But you can do it, and God will take it from there. All he asks you to do is be faithful and obedient and be available. So I want you to say today... If you're willing, I'm in. I'm in. I want to do that. I want to see myself as invaluable to God and to the body of Christ. I want to see myself the way God sees me so that he can use me. I want to be invaluable to him. 
And I want to be an influencer. I want to have influence on other people. Somebody cared enough about me to influence me. I need to care enough to influence somebody else. So, Lord, I'm in. I want to be an influencer. And next week we'll talk about being in on being invested. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. We thank you for what you teach us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for sending people to us to tell us about you so that we might learn to follow you. Now, Lord, it's our turn. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we get a chance to have divine appointments. We get a chance to be faithful and obedient and trust you for the results. And so, Lord, I pray that you would put people in our paths this next week, that you would give us people that we're able to just do whatever it is you would have us do so that you can do the really important part and the rest of the story, so that you can make a difference in their lives. Thank you for giving us a front row seat. Even if we don't see the results, we know that you're hard at work behind the scenes, and we trust you, and we celebrate that. But Lord, we also thank you for giving us a glimpse, a glimpse of what you've been doing, a glimpse of letting us see the rest of the story because it encourages us so much to never quit to never get discouraged, to never give up, to just keep on being the people you've called us to be, to be about your work. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's children said,